Hello, and welcome to We Walk the Earth podcast, where we discover together by looking at the paths of people and how they interact with this ever-evolving world we live in. I'm your host and show producer, Sergio Isauro. We Walk the Earth is a Nodalove original show made by a diverse team of wonderful people, passionate to spread ideas in beautiful ways. I met this week's guest through a good friend when she recommended him to come and have a little getaway in Tequisquiapan, the little town in Mexico where I grew up and where this episode was recorded. Pablo is an artist who studied political science and international relations in the UK and China. He has led various projects in fashion, photography, graphic design and experience design focused on regeneration and social transformation. He has been featured in publications such as BBC, Vice, The Business of Fashion, and Revista Semana. He has given TEDx talks on creative change and led drug legalization conversations interviewing Colombia's President Santos, Ethan Nadelman, and Ivan Marulanda. He likes to draw, write, do yoga and lead conversations on regeneration, psychedelics, and medicinal plants, and various social topics. Please, let's welcome to the show, Pablo Restrepo. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Pablo. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the space here in Tequisquiapan, Mexico. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful coincidence that you came to Tequis through a mutual friend. It's really nice having you here and it's really nice that I get to record with you. Yeah, it's thank exciting. you. Thank you for having me. For me, it's such an honor. I've been listening to your podcasts and uh, the work that you've been doing with We Walk the Earth, and I think it's a beautiful purpose that I, I think we share. And so there's this this allurement between us, which I think is, is beautiful. Yeah. When I asked you about, like, about recording the podcast, we were talking about what we could talk about. And the first thing you said, I think, was cultural regeneration. Yeah. So I want to ask you why. So for me, cultural regeneration is, in thinking about the world today and the social creatures that we are, there seems to be three main categories of problems that we can kind of put our focus in. Uh, one being, and, and more if you're aligned with ecocentric and environmentally conscious uh, way of being. So one is life, just the reverence of life. Uh, life as a complex thing that occurs in the universe. How can we preserve it? How can we take care of it? How can we limit uh, the expansion of forms of industry that are ruining life 
um, that has to do a lot with biology, that has to do a lot with conservation, restoration, regeneration of ecosystems. Then it's the industry, right? How can we change our human industries um, in terms of logistics, in terms of energy, in terms of transportation, so that we so that we change the way that we uh, relate to one another, to our consumption habits. And I think there's a lot of fantastic work done there in terms of changing our habits, changing whether we recycle or not, whether we compost, uh, changing the way that we, we move ourselves. Instead of taking the car, maybe you take a bicycle. And the final thing is culture. Um, and culture is is a kind of more ethereal and more subtle, but fundamentally, the environmental crisis or the meta crisis that people talk about is really a symptom of a deeper cultural crisis or a deeper mimetic crisis or a deeper like what Gregory Bateson would say, like the ecology of mind, like what is the ecology of mind? What is our, what, what our preferences are? What are our values? And there, I think that there's a lot of work to be done. And I think the work that you're doing is cultural regeneration. So how through culture, we can start regenerating the values that as society we believe are, um, are important because any society will have a hierarchy of, value, of values, will value certain things over others. And fundamentally, our culture is all based on valuing certain things, certain aspirations, certain ideals of what a good life is. And the idea is to, to generate other values and other ideas that perhaps can be more aligned with uh, living a more fulfilled life. More, We were talking about abundance before, so a more yeah. abundant life that perhaps has nothing to do with money, with private jets. So for me, that's cultural regeneration. Yeah. Where does it start? Like, as an individual, where do we start? I think fundamentally, that's the thing. Um, so yes, for sure, as individuals, in the sense of if you think about the, the history of political thought and political, for sure the individual has reigned supreme in, in the 20th century. Um, and then in the 21st century, I think it's about conversation. So mm. it starts here with this conversation. It starts with, <laughs> it starts, starts here. <laughs> it starts in this moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, conversations, because I think that we are, you know, one of the the big things that is transforming in this kind of cultural movement, let's say, is um, stepping away from the myth of separation. And this is yeah, kind of totally. Charles Eisenstein's work on a more beautiful world, our hearts knows is possible, uh, which I know people have delved in in your podcast before. Um, and so uh, it, that myth of separation lands at the individual and the individual as the the basis of society. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And for a long time, I consider myself a, a liberal and believe in the, in the individual. And perhaps what can be rescued from that and what can be saved from that is uh, the liberty, the autonomy, the, 
But also there's a deeper thing, the spiritual uh, autonomy and the self, um, self-direction self that can be found in individual choices that have a resonance uh, around, right? Like it's not about the absolute freedom to do whatever you want, but rather the freedom that I impose on myself, the laws that I live myself by. And when I decide certain things, I decide certain values and I align myself with those values and then you arrive to being integral, let's say. But then, let's say, to put the individual in its, in its place, we are relational beings. We live in relationships. We live in relationship with the air we breathe. We live in relationship with uh, you know, the food that we eat. We are the food that we eat, you know, we are the soil that, that grows and, and the soil that grows and depending on the, the soil, our welfare is going to be, it's going to change. And we know now, like scientific research knows now that we have a brain in our gut and we know that. And we know that there are like the whole uh, parasympathic, sympathetic mm -hmm. system change you know we change our, our well-being our, our state of being our mind if we're eating well and if we're yeah. having nourishing food so we know that what we intake affects our moods affects our well-being so for sure it, it it starts at the individual but then the individual in relationship to the land in relationship to the food uh, they're eating so i think it's all it's more about relationships mm -hmm. right yeah. And so, and so that's where cultural regeneration starts. It's like, what are your relationships? And it's interesting because this is ancient knowledge that for me was really like eye-opening when I went to in Colombia, in Bogota, uh, of the Muishka uh, community. And before going into the Temascal, they say, and actually it's interesting because that also has to do with relationships. They say, I go in for all my relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And to just a side note, and the Muiscas in, in Colombia, in Bogotá, was an indigenous uh, culture that was completely uh, eradicated or lost. And they, through self-recognizing themselves and establishing relationships with other indigenous groups, were able to rescue their... Wow. And so actually the rapé that we had mm -hmm. <laughs> comes from uh, this community and they call it yeah. Oshka. And the Oshka is from this land and they brought the Temazcal from Mexico. Wow. <laughs> so that's a, a bit of a synchronicity there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think that our relationships, that's the key thing. Wow. While you were talking and, and mentioning all this different ways in which we relate to the world around us i could not i mean my mind just took me to imagine a like a spider web <laughs> like a web of i don't know like super strong but delicate at the same time and th that took me to think that i heard someone say that for change you cannot go just go in with a sledgehammer and start destroying things no like it's everything so like delicate and like change should be delicate 
because we're so connected to everything and so right now we are dependent on a lot of things but the goal i guess is to be interdependent with our surroundings and community and ecosystems so yeah delicacy i wonder how or at what point have you seen this happening in yourself like in your path you told me you've been doing so many things in your life at what point were you like the, the light yeah so i love that so i think that conversations are a key are a key part of it but conversations with people that are different from yourself the people that perhaps are not and the delicacy in changing the system um, and is because you are part of the system you are the system you are everything within ourselves we are holistic beings and we have everything within ourselves and everything outside of ourselves and however there are such radically different life experiences in other people that just have completely different uh views on life or but when you come down to it there's a lot of things that are similar so for me i've been thinking a lot about this because i'm figuring out the next steps <laughs> um the through line for me has been the meeting of the other the meeting of that other that perhaps is foreign and alien and different and and sometimes even scary and then how can that other be uh humanized and understood in their complexities so that began for me as a kid like i moved a lot uh, almost year to year because of my father's work and that took me to many places in the world but one of the places where for me that was like the the thing and that it will take us maybe on a tangent was going to north korea and going to to a country that's like the hermitage kingdom where nobody's allowed to go and being able to talk to people as human beings outside of the the narrative outside of everything that we know we think we know about let's say north korea and just meeting people one to one and saying hey like what's your life what do you feel how is it how how is it living here or and not from a kind of uh, pedantic uh, political position but more from a human position and that is very that it was very valuable and that interaction took me later to to work in the Colombian agency for reintegration where i worked with former combatants of the farc and the paramilitaries because for me as a child like the the monster in the room like the was not fake like a, or imaginary fantasy monster but it was the news every day of a town being taken over by the farc or violence or bombs going off and stuff like that and that permeated so much in i guess my consciousness that for me the gorillas were the scariest <laughs> monster there was but let's say that humanization of the idea and just meeting the the people and no longer is it the gorilla but it's Eh, Aracelis or Cielo 
uh, Álvaro, talking to them directly and hearing their story and hearing what they went through and saying, wow, they went to, through histories that are so different than my own, but we can have a conversation and we can at least figure out you know, things that we share and have in common. So maybe there are subjects that, let's say, the economic redistribution, and there are things that that there would be really poignant and difficult to have the conversations about. But maybe you can start off by talking about the food. Maybe you can start off by talking about uh, family. Maybe we can start off talking about, and then, but all those little things are relationships that, I mean, to touch on what you were saying, the delicacy of beginning to to change. And a lot of times it's not that I am the person that's going to bring about the change. A lot of times it's they are the people that are changing me by opening my mind to the realities of things that I was um, limited in my understanding because of the information and the experiences that I've had in my life uh, till meeting them. And so when you join those two worlds together and sometimes they're, they're completely uh, separate, um, really beautiful things come come about. Yeah, I love what you said about not like just, yeah, like you learning from them and coming from a horizontal, because at the end, I think it can be really hurtful to come and say, hey, I have this thing or this knowledge and I'm going to come help you because you're in this position of of danger or vulnerability or something. But it's like real. I love that you said that realizing that you are learning from them and the healing goes both ways. I really like that perspective. Yeah, 100%. To, to give a bit more context, when I came back to Colombia um, in 2013, I started working in fashion and started creating a brand related with the peace process or related with building real peace. And for me, building peace is about conversation. It's about... Because that's something that a former mayor of, of Colombia, of, of Bogotá, taught us, uh, Antanas Mocus, <laughs> Oh, who's this fantastic Lithuanian Colombian guy who um, who says if you're gonna hit hit me, shout at me. And if you're gonna shout at me, talk to me. And if you're gonna talk mm. to me, let's talk. Yeah. And it's almost like his perspective comes comes from von Clausewitz, which is politics is the continuation of war by other means. Um And the truth is that, and the history of humanity is that there has been a lot of wars and there's been a lot of horrible things that have, that we've done to each other because of a failure of communication. And when communication, when you cannot express in words what you feel, violence comes, mm. right? And so conversations, a lot of times... Um, are conversations about necessities and, and needs and kind of the harmonization of needs. Because we all have needs and we all have certain basic needs that we need to fulfill. And so by creating a, a supply chain in which 
we connect our needs and we can meet our needs and we can have a conversation on relate and build relationships that are iterative, uh, we can enhance relationships. It's tough, difficult. Um, for me, that industry was really tough. Uh, but it was fantastic in learning and, and learning different perspectives. And it got me to travel around Colombia and while the peace process was happening, while the negotiations were going on in the Havana, I was very involved as an activist during during the voting of the referendum in 2016. Um, and then later there was a group that was created called Acuerdo Ya, which was agreement now, because basically what happened is that Colombia, by 50,000 votes, voted no uh, for peace because of the complexity of of adding the guerrillas into the political the political uh, system and also because of a lot of things that the country doesn't want to reconcile itself with because it's a tough process i understand also it's like a country that's gone through a lot of conflict a lot of war a lot of things where everybody like everybody was somehow involved in one way or another for there to be a, a process of reconciliation you need a process of truth and you need a process of memory and so that brings out a lot of wounds and mm, and i think that yeah. that people weren't ready especially because peace was so uh, had such bad pr at that time and so the country voted no for peace but what was problematic is that you had uh, guerrillas that were being demobilized to certain zones in the country uh, and these people were fundamentally really vulnerable and at the same time you had all this work and all this process and all this kind of momentum so we needed to reach an agreement to figure out what would happen. And President Santos says that was great because it allowed us to have an even better agreement. And there's still some wounds in Colombia because of, of the peace process and people are, sometimes feel annoyed by it. And peace, again, became really like <laughs> bad, bad PR, like even to talk about peace, like they started changing every single document in government. But it's a process. It's a long process. It's not a simple process. What it has allowed in terms of cultural re regeneration is that when you are at peace, you can create. When you are, you know, when you feel comfortable, when you feel secure, when you feel safe, when you feel uh, like there are possibilities outside of fear, outside of you can start creating and, and you can start. Space. Yeah. And there's space. Yeah. yeah. Like, like psychological space. Mm -hmm. And that I've seen it in Colombia happening for the past, I don't know, the past five years or so there's been this cultural resurgence, which is really interesting. Um, the environmental movement has become really important. Like, you know, in prime time uh, candidates being interviewed. The fashion industry is really conscious about, when I started in fashion industry, there was nobody talking about sustainable fashion. There's nobody talking about organic uh, clothing. There was nobody talking about uh, incorporating into supply chains, vulnerable communities. Now there's like a lot of that. There's a lot of projects. 
Um, and so I think that the kind of openness that is generated when you start having these conversations and when you start looking within, because fundamentally it's like, it's not about looking outside what's outside, but it's looking at the stories that are in the place where you are, in the territory, in, around you, that are part of you, and then bringing them out, that really has a resonance globally, let's say. Um, and I think that that's part of, I don't know, let's say what's, what can be interesting about, about the moment that we're in, where we want to know about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah, we're really curious. There's this thing that happens after we lose the fear of looking into ourselves and looking into the shadows. And looking into the shadows in other people and maybe not fully understanding all of the above, but just being there with it. Because it's real, it's there. I think it's really powerful what you're saying about... I don't know, you talking about Colombia's history and just me trying to imagine the situation of being in a city where I grew up in and then having this war around you. For me, that's so surreal because I didn't grow up there. And yes, there is here in Mexico, we've always had insecurity and the narcos and this and that and it's been around but it's not a war i mean it is in a way but it's more like we don't see it as much i think it's in a way if it's just coming knocking at your door there's no way to look the other way yeah um which makes it harder at first but then it takes you to healing and all these like people doing like cool projects that you're mentioning fashion food like this like different movements these i guess these are people that have looked into the shadows and understood what's missing and then feed their desire to build something that's worth building. It's so, so interesting. I want to go to Colombia. I just realized while you were talking, I also realized that I'm talking to you also, Lola from Colombia, Mike, who's from the US, but lives in Colombia. I'm like, hmm, maybe there's like something <laughs> calling. Yeah, maybe Colombia's calling. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, I think Colombia is a, a very interesting country, especially because it is a, a lot, of, it's a microcosm for a lot of what's ha what happens in the world. And I think that Mexico and Colombia and all of Latin America share a very similar history. Like there are nuances uh, as to the amount of harm that the Spanish did or, but at the end of the day, at, let's say at one point, we were part of the same country. We were part of the same empire. <laughs> and so there, There are very there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of the same issues that I believe haven't been really like taken into consideration. Um, but there's a lot of the same flavor, the same kind of chaos, <laughs> the same kind of way of being, and, and it's interesting. Um, for me, 
obviously Colombia is the country that I was born in, is the country that I grew up until I was seven years old. Um, and it's a country that I've been for the past eight years. So I didn't grow up in Colombia, but definitely a part of my heart is there. <laughs> and I see the amount of potential and the amount of interesting things that are happening just as the country starts healing its wounds from the violence and from the, I mean, fundamentally, it's the war on drugs. And for me, that's been one of the issues that I've also tried to work in and try to build conversations around. It's the war on drugs and have conversations in Colombia uh, with the Mambe, which Mambe is the indigenous a way of preparing the coca leaf and the coca leaf is the sacred plant of the Andes that allows uh, you to connect and materialize the word and what is being uh, said in conversation so uh, you have circles of conversation with Mambe and building those circles of conversation to try to understand how to regenerate fundamentally how to regenerate culturally how to regenerate plant fundamentally that has brought so much trauma to this country because the desecration of a sacred plant and the bad relationship that we have with a sacred plant uh, of turning it into something that breeds out ego <laughs> and and yeah. I guess the most toxic Violence, masculinity no? yeah. like and that, that, that plant also has brought so much violence, so much terrible, like the government, if they stopped it now and, but they're, they, you know, kind of some governments tried to bring it back and it's basically like air um, spraying of glyphosate, which is basically this like toxic uh, chemical being sprayed from the air to eradicate the crops, but it also eradicates other crops. It also endangers the, the rivers. It also is like some people's notion of what the government is, which is just so like ridiculous. Uh, it's like the government is planes spraying poison from the air in very rural areas. So fundamentally the, the, the war on drugs is something that needs to change. We need to start thinking about a piece on drugs, a piece with these. Yeah. And even the, the changing of the word drug to relationship with, with certain medicines, right? Like we, we have certain medicines that help. Now, the issue is complex because you have certain uh, substances, certain medicines that are more enlightening to the being and more opening to to new levels of awareness and perception and psychedelics and even therapies that are being done with MDMA. But you also have dependency to, to drugs like tobacco or to alcohol or to <laughs> cocaine, heroin, that are also part of it. But we need a better integral uh, story. And there is... There's great work, and I was able to interview a guy called Ethan Nadelman um, on Clubhouse, which is an app I really love and really great because you have conversations live. And I always say it's like a circulo de mambe, like a circulo mm -hmm. de palabra, like a council. Um, you know, it's a uh, you know a circle of word, uh, 
like physical coca is not giving out but if everybody's talking and people are are kind of saying what they feel about certain things like this guy ethan nadelman he talks about harm reduction how can you reduce the harm in in drug policy and i also was able to interview uh, president santos on clubhouse and him talking about the importance of changing the war on drugs and saying like he was the person that took the most coca like under government control put the most narcos in jail you know did everything and saying this doesn't work and and that's that's important because a country like colombia that is can be so prosperous so so fantastic like any country that deserves to be in peace the the cycles of violence have really exacerbated because of the supply chains and of drugs. Hmm. Yeah, there is there is definitely a big change that needs to happen in how we look at things and how a lot of what you were saying was just reminding me of exploitation like us not us but like some people deciding to to exploitate to exploit like a community or a plant or a plant that makes this substance that we take with like product with product placement we take it to another country and then it becomes this thing and it it's like giving me goosebumps but At the same time, there's so much opportunity to, yeah, just to, there's so much energy moving through some of these industries, like economical and people's time and lives and emotions. And there's so much energy following this, I don't know, industries or like magnets, or I don't know how to call them. But that energy can also be like harnessed in other ways through what through things like conversation. Yeah, and mm. and it's happening. It's not it, what what I believe in is that cultural regeneration. It's not about. And for me, that was something I read um, by a guy called Jerry Rubin, who mm-hmm. was one of the founders of the Yippie movement. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of the yeah, Yippie yeah. movement. <laughs> So the guy said, the moment that we stopped talking about communism and we started living communism, that everything changed. And for me, that something clicked there when I read that. Because it's not about it's not about talking about the change that you want to see in the world. It's about being yeah. the change you want to see in the yeah. world. And when you say like so much things needs to happen, it's like it's happening. Like yeah. it's happening yeah. right now as yeah. we're living. And it's really interesting because I think that the let's say the counter cultural movement the hippie movement learned the lessons and that that's something that um that for example an organization like maps in the US is doing that is fantastic first of all it's like separating drugs it's not drugs that were lump sum into one category and everything's drugs and it's like two psychedelics there's one thing but something different And and I think that's important in terms of cultural regeneration, of understanding these things and the words we use, right? Like the words we use in terms of, is it a medicine? 
is it my dealer or <laughs> you know yeah. it's like I'm, i'm buying this from a medicine person and i think that that's important at the same time uh, there's always like a double conversation that needs to be had and there we need to recognize privilege so there is a privilege of being able to be in good relationship with certain plants But the reality is that a lot of people, and when we were talking about abundance and all these things, a lot of people are dependent on the consumption of certain plants and have addiction problems. And so you need to reconcile the crystal meth consumer and the, with uh, the person that's doing like the ceremonial peyote. So we need to have a harms reduction policy around all this. And I think that will will first like what you're saying about the the energy moving i think that podcasts like this and and conversations like this and things that are happening uh around this whole movement are important to really have deep deeper conversations about the impacts that this has had and the reconnaissance of those that have been affected by the violence and the war on drugs and from the environmental side like for example if, and the human side uh of of just the deforestation in the amazon that is like partly tied to the war on drugs and and just the massive human loss and human cost of bombs going off all for this kind of greed and control which is it's crazy yeah. we were talking about it the other day i love that you're reminding me that it's already happening i think i i tend to go to the catastrophic oh my god this needs to happen. but yeah i love that you remind me of that the other day we were talking about you mentioned this term that i haven't heard before Pro, what is protopia Pro, protopia protopia yeah. which is yeah i don't know if you can go into it a bit but it's we were talking about what we want to see in the future living it right now otherwise we're not going to be able to build the future that we are dreaming of i don't know if you can you could go a little bit into that i love that yeah so uh, i can't I, i can't remember if, who coined the term And there's been great work done by a, a girl called Monica Bilinski. And she has a project called Protopia Futures. And for me, it's been quite guiding based on what I told you about this, this thing that I read ab uh, about Jerry Rubin, because it's like living the change that you want to see in the present, in, in the now, not in the future. Because I guess the progressive or countercultural movements have always focused on the future the idea of the future um but we need to focus on the present and focusing on the present the, the future that we want to create so the term i can't remember who coined it It'd be great if if we investigate and then put it there to to give the credit where credit is due um but basically like you have ever since thomas moore uh, wrote utopia Thomas More was this Catholic going being in England as it was transforming into a Protestant nation. And his whole kind of thinking about whether it's better to be 
you know, have this purity of ideals or to to go into government and try to give assessment to the king, uh, the kind of deep uh, concerns about the ideal and the reality, right? And so he wrote this book called Utopia, and it was this whole idea was the beginning of the, and that was like the beginning of the monastic movement uh, where monks were going and living in conclaves and, and living kind of an aesthetic life and limiting their consumption. And if you think about it, it's very like yoga, very like, um, and so that has been a through line in human history, this idea that there can be a utopia, there can be this place, but the word utopia means a happy place, but also means a place that doesn't exist. So it's a happy place, but a place that doesn't exist. And then there has been a process since the 1970s because you had people like Franz Fanon, uh, which was a political theorist, talking about the importance of, of, of violence <laughs> uh, to change the system. And all the revolutionary movements of the 60s and 70s in Latin America, in Colombia, we had the FARC, we had the ELN, we had uh, like... Maoist guerrillas, we had all types of guerrillas were in Colombia. And then you had the Cuban revolution and you had um, all these kind of revolutionary movements that wanted to change the system through violence. Um, that made that, let's say changes were made, but also at what cost? Like how many people need to die? How many people... And I've always been a pacifist and I've always been a believer in that the way has been taught by people like Gandhi, people like Martin Luther King, of change, of transformation, of changing realities. So you have to be delicate, as you said, because at the end of the day, the idea is to take care of life, to take care of living. So anyway, you had this movement, but there's been a kind of attack on imagination, on possibilities of new systems, of new ideas, of new ways, because we're deeply scared of those new ideas, what they have, what they can bring you, because the whole of the 20th century has been that. So uh, you had uh, Francis Fukuyama write The End of History in the 1990s, and it's like this kind of idea that it's just more economic trade, more liberalization, democracy. Uh, this is spreading throughout the world, globalization, having a McDonald's everywhere. And right now that's weird because that, let's say, that utopia uh, from <laughs> that liberal utopia is receding uh, right now, you know, you, McDonald's being closed in Russia. Apparently in China, in Beijing, they're no longer having signs in English. So this whole globalization movement, economic globalization, a lot of times hasn't been really coupled with a deeper kind of conversation with the local place and a social globalization where we we really get more... And I, every time I say these things, I, I always remind myself that that's partly true. It can't be. It can't be absolute. But more stories, like we, if you look at television, like just cultural media, we're bombarded by certain hegemonic stories: white, European, the American high school. The right there are certain kind of mimetic places that are there, 
I want to know more stories from Nepal. I want to know more stories from, I want to know more stories from, I don't know, Madagascar, right? That kind of nourish fundamentally like the human experience. And a lot of times it's hard to find those stories if they're not in particular. So anyway, so that to go to Protopia is that the stories that we've, we are told and bombarded by are dystopian stories. Stories that are really scary about the future. We're scared about the future. If you look at a, a series like Black Mirror on Netflix, it's like super scary, everything that's happening with technology, everything. And we're like this close, right? And because we're so stuck in the cycle of consumption, we're so stuck in the cycle of finding identity through consumption, we're not really imagining the future that we want and how can we create it in the present. And by saying we're not, again, I say this is already, this is happening because there are people that are creating those futures and creating those imagination landscapes that can be a lot more fulfilling to the human soul, to the human kind of imagination capability, to the human potential fundamentally, because I think that we are like magical beings that can do all sorts of things and yet haven't been educated to, don't know how to. So that's the idea of Protopia. It's like, how can you embody that from the present? Yeah. I was listening to this podcast this morning, the Trash Talk. I think I told you about it, Trash Talk Studio with Alexa Gantos. And they were talking about how the feminine is like non-linear and like a certain frequency of non-linearity and just sudden change, like a lot of the processes in nature and the masculine being structure and linearity. And yeah, I'm just, I don't know, like I just related that into if we keep on seeing this future as, I don't know, I'm picturing the image of the donkey that's following the carrot on the stick. If the carrot is like utopia, we will never get it. We're going to keep on walking and probably until we die or we starve ourselves or something. But we need to start eating the carrot and not put it in like for tomorrow. I like that. Yeah, I think it's like ideological movements that have permeated a lot of history have focused a lot on the somewhere else, like heaven, right? The idea of we're going to heaven and then in heaven, everything's going to be amazing. And then, <laughs> right? Or communism, which is pretty similar to to it's pretty similar to that idea. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's like right now we are in capitalism that we have to move to socialism and then we'll get to communism where yeah. everything will be great. Yeah. And it's like promises. How, right, it's this idea <laughs> of the tomorrow that is unrealizable because it's an idea. And I think that fundamentally something that we need to take into consideration and i think that's part of the kind of integral metamodern uh, regenerative maybe landscape of thought is the of 
of yes, like things are happening, things are being done. It's not all gloom and this attitude towards life of of let's build it, let's do it, let's let's work at it, let's, yeah. let's make. You know? And it's if you are privileged enough to be living a little part of it, it's about just inviting other people in the boat, come join the party. Because I see this loophole, you know, like I see this loophole of people, quote unquote, living more consciously, not really wanting to step out of that comfort and just like, I just want to be hanging with my conscious friends, with my woke friends. And I don't want to go to this place because there's no organic food. Or maybe I'm scared to have these conversations here and there. I don't know. I can see a very easy bubble happening there. And that separates, that's really separated from the other, I don't know, the people that that are not privileged enough to be educated in some of these subjects or are starting to get ex be exposed to it, but then reject it because it's something so different. So there's, I don't know, I really see a loophole of, of like, where is the connection? I guess with, I wanna think that with time, these barriers will dissipate, but it's, I don't know, it's very interesting how to start throwing lines to other boats so that we pull each other together and have a big yeah, party. A hundred percent. I definitely <laughs> like I, I definitely believe that we first of all I love what you said about the the spiral. For me, I I wrote it in my Instagram one day when I had the realization it's like I'm not straight, I'm spiral. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice yeah 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 so it's it's yeah so that's kind of a double thing about the idea of being straight yeah of being like, like i'm a straight a ruler, guy like a ruler straight. yeah straight yeah because in the if you're a let's say heterosexual male the idea and it's very of course it's tied to military of course it's tied to the kind of agricultural mindset of society, of hierarchical society. It's like straight lines, like a straight line where you where you cultivate a straight, you know, military uh, kind of I identification. Uh, but then it's the spirality of of life, of of movement, of of moments, of of intuition. So I love. I think. That, I think we are both. And and if you think about it, it's like you are straight in a, in a spiral going around. Yeah. And then how can you incorporate, let's say, more people or have better conversations with other people that perhaps come from a completely different perspective and completely different? So from what you're saying is like, yeah, there is a degree of even fundamentalism or moral kind of high ground or a lot of times. And I really do believe that you can't be radical about any of these things because within the paradox and within the incongruity, like one of my favorite lines from a film is uh, Full Metal Jacket where he has the peace sign and he has the helmet and he says it's the duality of man right and we are 
we are dual and we are and we and what you're saying about the shadow is like we are the shadow and i've heard you say this before it's like yes you have to recognize that i am classist and racist and all these things that are systems of oppression that have been educated that have been nailed on me and and i've been educated within those systems and i've been permeated because of the culture that i've received because of the culture that permeates in my operating system and a lot of the work that we need to do is precisely that try to peel back those layers and try to bring about and emerge something that is more equitable more understanding more without falling into the moral fundamentalisms that I think do more harm than good, yeah. right? Because I think that it's very, like, we know about spiritual wars and we know about, you know, like, like we've been there. Like, why do we want to, like, this is why I don't understand about uh, cancel culture and all that, because it's, it's just more separation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, see, it's hard when we're angry, it's really hard to just be chill and step into <laughs> the other's shoes. Yeah. I'm, I know because I live with those reactions sometimes in myself that you probably come from not managing my feelings or from, I don't know, like deeper trauma or generational trauma. I don't know. It's hard, but then again, more, it brings me to the idea that if we're privileged enough to just be talking about it, we have more responsibility because we have to be more, even more compassionate of the people that are angry and don't have the tools to realize certain things, no? It's, yeah, I don't know. How would you bring... So that's, yeah, how would you bring more people into kind of the regenerative landscape? How would you, when you're saying about that, like yeah, yeah. that question about bringing people in or... or that, Inviting people to the party. <laughs> how would you do it? I think it's what we've been talking about, like really like making a real conscious effort of bringing it from the talk and the ideas to real life and like literally talking to the people around you like you said maybe not talking about this really deep things or change or like big projects or just talking to people how are you like an honest how are you how can i help you What's up with your family? What are your dreams? What's hard for you right now? I don't know. Just yeah, conversations. Conversation, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I think connecting. It, yeah, and if, if your relationships are better, like that has a resonant feel around it. That that has like a concentric, uh, fractal <laughs> kind of field around. But I ask you also because I think. We need, this is something I, I learned from this guy called Forrest Landry, 
who's amazing, who's like fantastic, his work about imminent metaphysics. And he talks about ephemeral group processes. So the whole idea is um, that the universe can ask, can say a statement, give an order, or ask a question. And when you ask questions, like the whole universe becomes smarter. <laughs> and so by asking more questions, we need to ask more questions. And, and so I think that's why a conversation and asking questions, and if you're a curious person like you and I are, we need to ask more questions about how to... Because a lot of times we don't know, and a lot of times we just like it. there are a lot of issues that 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 require more curiosity around to really yeah. emerge something. Assumptions, no, yeah, like, are really hurtful. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's something that that emerges better uh, systems, better processes, better, and then also. Uh, it's the degree of responsibility and the degree of commitment that we have with uh, with the things around us, which I think that for me in this moment of my life is like really taking into consideration that, right? Because you can, the type of life that you want in terms of the commitments that you take on and then doubling down on those uh, commitments and going through deep into them. For me, that's kind of, kind of the kind of focus area of generating all these kind of projects and ideas and da 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 and like you know kind of a bit playing around in 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 lighting sparks and and then doing things from environmental work and the work on legalization and better policy around drugs and conversations about drug policy and peace and then now I'm like okay where in those relationships in those conversations wh what's the place that I want to lay my head down and commit so that something really important flourishes it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah following that charm that we were talking about the other day yeah. no yeah. into life into our work into community yeah, I think there's something about being, and today we can with the facilities, with the information, with the internet that is there, being polymath, multidimensional beings. Um, there's a text that I like by Daniel Schmachtenberger who talks about polymath bodhisattvas. <laughs> which I think is a great concept, like just knowing how to do many things, but also being spiritually integral in, in doing them. I think that's the pursuit, like being a polymath bodhisattva. At the same time, because that place is highly dangerous to the system. It's dangerous to the system that you have people that are that know how to do many things and are adaptable and are, but are also because it means that they are not reliant and dependent on systems of exploitation, let's say. And fundamentally that's, that's sovereignty. That is that sovereign and being a king being, a, and that's something like Buckminster Fuller talks about in a critical path. There's one guy who is that, and then he's, Oh, why don't you do this? And why don't you do this for me? And why don't you do this for me? And you specialize all these people 
and the specialization and universities come and to breed a system uh, or a node in the system that reaps all the benefit and that person is the king, let's say. Uh, and now with this kind of new fractal uh, systemic view that we can all be nodes in the system, we can all know a little bit about many things and we can all be uh, integral polymaths. Uh, that generates just like a, a whole different system because it's it's more decentralized, it's more autonomous in many places, it's more but then also is what are the commitments? What are the yeah. what are the focus areas? What are the things that need to happen? That and I really believe that, and sometimes to my, I guess, not my best economic life, <laughs> I really believe that ideas and, and just like ways of helping and should be really shared or should be really open and should be like not hoarded by, by one person or because, because that's what we need. We need ideas to pollinate, to meet, to interact, to bring about so that this radical imagination landscape occurs. And that's why I think like podcasting and, and this phenomenon of long conversations and listening to is really important for humanity because how many people really read books? Like, I don't think that many, but to listen to conversations, that's something that we've been doing since the dawn of time, right? <laughs> and and even like cultures like like where we come from, indig the indigenous cultures of Latin America didn't develop a lot of times a written system, but their word, their mm -hmm. conversation was very developed, right? And so I think that part of this cultural re regeneration is that we have the systems that brought us microphones and brought us the internet and brought us to go back to sit in the campfire yeah. and have yeah. conversations so that more people can listen so that you can expand the concentric circle of uh, precisely what we we're saying, of, of shedding that light, of uh, bringing more people into the possibilities of life. Yeah. 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 I keep on getting this image of like horizontality to like that, like pyramid or just like idea of a, like a building with many floors going up, 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 like just horizontal shared and also like sharing the weights, sharing the benefits, sharing the learning. And then because you're around so many different things and people, you're just going to start, we're going to start to ask more questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wondering what's happening on others' minds and houses and countries and, and everything. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I think so. And yeah, hopefully, I, I really think that the time that we're living in is, is a fantastic time to be yeah. alive and to be creating and to be culturally regenerating and breeding through new things and new ideas and new ways of being, maintaining what works from the past and, and building hmm. from the present the things yeah. that we want in the future.
the ancient future <laughs> that you mentioned the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Pablo. Gracias, it was really Sergio. nice. Muchas gracias. Thank really you for, nice. for, for this podcast and, and for your time. Yeah. Looking forward to, to collaborate with you. Let's do it. Thanks. <laughs> That was Pablo Restrepo. If you wish to find out more about his projects and his work, please go to the links in the show notes of this episode. We Walk the Earth is a Nautilus original and is produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The music in this episode was produced by Tejedor. Editing by Miguel Andrade. Mixing by Samuel Peñalba. Executive Production by Jorge González. Content Strategy by Sofia Benedicto. If you like this podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. This will help us keep going, creating and igniting curiosity in more people. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for listening. Until next time.